Well, what a great day it is today, and we're so encouraged that it worked out for us to have Michelle Dwyer with us as our speaker this morning. Is that good or what? Yeah. She's got a following out here, and I know a number of you know her. Um, she was speaking at our women's retreat last year, and uh, many of us have drawn alongside of her uh, in the last uh, three or four years or so. We've gotten to know them very, very well. She comes from Beaver Lodge Alliance Church, which is up by Grand Prairie. That's like a sister church of ours. And they're walking in many of the things that we walk in, stepping into renewal, um, asking God to do amazing things in their, in their community and in their region. And we're learning from them. Uh, they have gone ahead of us in so many great areas. And uh, Michelle is ordained in the Alliance, and she is an associate pastor at Beaver Lodge. And I, I don't know her full ministry load, but I'm sure it goes something like this. You pray with people to be healed, to be set free of Satan's uh, control and to disciple them up in the kingdom of Jesus and seeing his, uh, his kingdom advance in your region and in your city. We love you guys, and we love the Beaver Lodge community and the Beaver Lodge staff. Please say hello to Greg and Farrell for us. Greg's the lead pastor. And Michelle is connected to some people. You're going to hear about them when she comes to, to say a little bit more about herself, but I want you to know something. Her daughter, Kaylee, came all the way down here today to be with her mom on Mother's Day. They've got three kids. She's one. So that's awesome. Kaylee, we're glad that you're here too. All right, let's give a really good welcome. Come on, a really good welcome to Michelle Dwyer. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This is too much fun. It's just such a privilege. It really is. It's no small thing for someone to share their pulpit with you, and I consider it a great honor. And yes, we are connected. Some of you I have not met yet, but we are still connected. I'm saying to Sandy... When I'm with Airdrie, I feel like, yeah, this is my tribe. We're connected. We're related. So, yeah, privileged to be here today. Um, yes, this is my family. It's, it's an old picture. It's two years ago. We need to update it. Had to have a family meeting to see if it was okay for me to go away on Mother's Day. And they're cheering me on and what God has called me to do. And, and I'm just so thankful. That's just a gift that you can't even put any measure on. So my oldest in the middle, this was her grad two years ago, and she's in university going to be 20 in a couple of weeks. As you've been introduced to Kaylee, she's now finishing grade 11, not her favorite picture, sorry, sweetheart. Uh, she is my musical singer creative. Lots of fun. And anytime I get to have my family with me on these things, I, I feel the blessing of that. If it wasn't an eight-hour drive, we would all have gotten in the car and come. So, And then Devin, my youngest, is about four inches taller now. He's a football player, self-proclaimed comedian. Indeed, he has given me 90% of my gray hairs and my laugh lines. All of the above, the full spectrum. And then my husband, Brian. Yeah, what a guy. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Did you feel it? Yeah, again, not every guy is called to be the husband of a pastor. And he does that in extraordinary ways. And he's happy to cheer me on. And so he has released me and blessed me to be here today. It is a funny thing. When you get married, you don't know what you're in for. You think you do. So he married a girl who loved Jesus a lot. Uh, seven specialists had said I would never have children long before I met him. And he sure didn't know I was going to be a pastor someday, though he might have had a better glimpse of that than I, because I was much afraid. Absolutely bound in fear and anxiety, completely unable to stand up in front of people. Now, you know you say everybody's afraid. 
Like, right? It's right up there with death, fear of death, whatever, public speaking. No. When you're tormented, it's incapacitating. So parents who are now going to parent-teacher interviews because your child just will not. My dear parents sat through parent-teacher interviews. She needs to stop this nonsense. She needs to do presentations to the class. She cries. She throws up. She faints. This is ridiculous. It must stop. No, really. Be encouraged. God is writing a story in your child's heart, and that place where they are the most assaulted is probably their great destiny. This is what Jesus does. He's so good. He is so good. My main text this morning is from Jeremiah 1.5, and it says, I knew you, I knew you, before you were formed in, my, in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you. What has he appointed you to? It's different for each one of us. What has he appointed you to? Do you have a glimpse? Do you have a glimmer? I didn't really know. I knew that I was created to teach, which was funny to me, since I couldn't get up in front of people. But I made my brother and sister sit and play school a lot. They've had some inner healing. It's okay. <laughs> it's a real thing. So what has he set you apart for? Because you were. We're all born into broken families and fractured places, right? Born into a world at war. These holidays, these Mother's Days, these Hallmark Days can kind of highlight some of those fractures for us. It's real. But there is a God who formed you. And he set you apart. I cannot go on without honoring. I have a spiritual mother in the room this morning. Five years ago on Mother's Day, she prophesied this over me. I was going, really? Okay, Jesus, sure. But I'm barely able to stand up in my own church. And they love me and appreciate me in spite of, right? Dot, dot, dot. The word of the Lord is always true always true. And so whatever your natural family looks like today, God loves your natural family and he is at work bringing restoration there. And he has placed you in this spiritual family. And in the body of Christ, there is no lack. So we do honor you, spiritual mothers. And we thank God and celebrate for this family that he's placed us in. So because fear being this stronghold in my life, which you can tell I have made great strides in stomping on, um, all those old things, though, those old strongholds, they're forever just kind of trying to find a little inroad. So when I began to be invited to speak at other churches, that's when I got afraid again. Oh, no. Again, my church family loves me in spite of. But what if? Uh, you know, every sentence that starts with what if, just stop it. God has never said what if. Not a single thing in God's whole Bible or anywhere else that he says starts with what if. Everything the Father says is yes and amen. So what God says is true. It's so true. You can take it to the bank. I totally lost my train of thought there. I got so excited about that thought. <laughs> yes, so when I go to other, started to be invited to other places, fear started to rise again. Who do you think you are? Another sentence that I've come to recognize as a red flag. 
And I need to shift my focus off all of my what ifs. So I would begin to pray for people. So when Pastor Sandy invited me to come here, my first thought is yes. My husband said, did you ask Jesus? I was like, you don't have to ask Jesus if you're gonna go to Disneyland. Like, it's yes, Andrew. I can't wait for him to meet you guys. So I, yes, Jesus wants me to go to Airdrie. <laughs> and I began to pray, oh God, What's on your mind? What's in your heart for Airdrie? Would you like to know what your dad's saying about you behind your back? Isn't that fun? He's talking about you. Right away, my first impression was, uh, do you know in um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Aslan the Lion, I love that visual, and there's this place where he's kind of pulling the children in, and he does this big, deep, it's kind of like a purr. Mm, I can't make it. My husband can make it. Need a deeper bass. This rumble in his chest. And that was my first impression. I was like, oh, the lion of the tribe of Judah has a rumble deep in his heart for Airdrie Alliance Church. How cool is that? Yeah. He likes you guys a lot. You're bringing him joy. And the next thing I saw was a picture of a big well, so kind of a wall around it. And I looked down in it, and it, the water was deep and clear and beautiful. I wanted to drink and I just kept peering deeply to see the bottom of it, and I couldn't find the bottom. This is no well that just seeps in. It's attached to an aquifer, a deep river. And I looked up, and I saw fireworks everywhere, even though it was daylight in this picture. You know, the whistlers and the streamers and the screamers and the, all the things, just like there's a party going on. And the party that's going on here can be seen for miles. And it's drawing people to this deep, deep well. So, man, I bless you guys. I bless you that as you drink deeply of him, rivers of living water will flow out from you. And it will bring a shift to your city. And it will set the captives free. And it will make the lame walk and the brokenhearted sing and dance. I know it's true. I bless you guys. I bless the calling and the destiny that God has on this house. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man, I'm so excited for you. Yeah. So I sense the Lord speaking to me. This is a house. This is a people that know their destiny. You know your destiny. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to highlight the seasons that come in our destiny because we can know our destiny, and along the way, it doesn't quite look like what we thought it was going to look like. And that can be distracting and confusing and unsettling. I love to dig into Bible stories. I love stories. And I love to just dig in them, put myself in the different people's positions and kind of see what God was teaching them. So hopefully I don't have to learn the hard way. We can just, you know, cut off 120 years in somebody else's journey and compress it into, you know what I'm saying, learn the easier way. And what I notice in every scripture, in every story, two things are going on. What the enemy is trying to do to derail and destroy, and what God is doing. You hear the difference in those words? What the enemy is trying to do and what God is doing. Because his plans and purpose are yes and amen. You're going to hear me say it again and again. It's true. And we need our focus to be so on what God is doing that this over here doesn't distract us doesn't weaken us, doesn't limit us, doesn't quench us, doesn't hold us down. 
So I'm going to do a, a speed through the preparation years of Moses' life this morning. Not the whole 120, just the first 80. Don't worry, it won't be that long. <laughs> and I'm going to highlight some Mother's Day thoughts because as I was going through this story, God was speaking to me about him as a mom. So I'm going to share some of those things with you. You're all created with a destiny and a purpose. You all have a part in the great mission of Jesus. And there are seasons of development. And each season is also susceptible to different things. So that's kind of what I want to look at in the life of Moses. So I'm not going to read it because it's too much. I'm going to tell it. And you guys can go and read Exodus 2, 3, and 4, and you'll see, you know, the more elaborate story. But to save time, I'm just going to tell you a bit. And it starts off, of course, before Exodus 2. It starts off before Moses was in his mother's womb. He was appointed to. And so for you also, before you were formed in your mother's womb, you were appointed to. And I kind of hope that you can fill in that blank a little bit this morning. Deeply and specifically. At this moment, this season in my life, I am appointed to preach or be a pastor. Those are good things to understand. But there's a deeper thing than that that isn't dependent on whether I'm on stage or whether I'm in the coffee shop or whether I'm cleaning toilets. You understand? Wherever I go, I'm a hope bringer. If my arms and legs fall off, I'm still a hope bringer. Change the title, take away, whatever, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? So I hope that as we talk this morning, God is stirring in you and reminding again, who are you? What are you appointed to? And it's also great if you understand what that looks like in its outward day-to-day. So Moses, his story starts in Exodus 2 with his mother became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And she saw that he was a special baby. Did any mother not think this on the planet? It makes me chuckle. Of course he was a special baby. All of my babies were special babies. You were a special baby. This is truth. But God gave her a strategy. This baby was born in the worst of times. He was born into a gender-specific genocide. God, help. My children have been born into a culture and a season and a time that has caused my blood to run cold some days. God, this is awful. They should not be exposed. They should not be seeing. They should not be... All those things, moms. God didn't make a mistake in the season your children were born into. For such a time as this, you were born. As Moses was born for such a time as this. So God gives her a strategy. She makes the the little basket, puts him in the water. The princess comes and sees, oh, a baby. I'll take him. And she actually beautifully gives him back to his mother to nurse him for a season. And so in that time, she would be imprinting his Hebrew identity. But it wasn't long before the princess took him back. As a mom? Yeah. God, what are you doing? Oh, he was up to something because he always is. And so she takes him back and and he is raised then as an Egyptian. Scripture later tells us a few verses on that he looks like an Egyptian. He did no longer look like a Hebrew. Oh no, what is the world doing to my children? I wonder if she had moments where she thought it would better have been for him to die than to look like one of them. 
I wonder. I don't know. But as a mom, I like to contemplate that sometimes what I'm seeing today that's making me feel a little angsty isn't actually the end of the story. It is a significant part of the story. Because Stephen, in the book of Acts, as he's about to be stoned, when he's declaring the gospel, he describes Moses in this season as being taught in the ways of the Egyptians, the wisdom and the powerful speech. You see, if Moses grew up a slave, he wouldn't have had the capacity to lead slaves. He needed what God was putting into his life in this season, even though it looked like something else. Not the strategy his mom would have picked. Be encouraged, parents. Be encouraged. So what was going on in this season of Moses' life? I do a lot of inner healing, ministry, freedom, care, all of that stuff. This story is ripe with opportunity for the enemy to do something. Was he rejected? Was he abandoned? Or was he chosen? Was he adopted? What about you? Are you rejected, abandoned? Are you chosen, beloved, and significant? Because your circumstances, as Moses' did, could be telling you something that is not, in fact, true. This is what the enemy is trying to do. Do you feel abandoned or adopted, thrown away or chosen? Because when you bring your thoughts and your emotions into line with what God is doing, you become dangerous. And you want to be dangerous. I know you do. I, you want to wreak havoc on the work that the enemy is doing in the world at large. You want to be part of what God is doing. It's important to recognize these lies. They're sneaky. But Holy Spirit, he'll show us. So in the next stage, um, Moses, I think he knew his destiny somehow in the same way that I somehow knew I, I wanted to be a teacher even though I couldn't talk to people. Seems interesting. I think this passion for justice and freedom was inside of Moses. And I'm sure he didn't know what to do with it. In Exodus 2, in the middle of the chapter, about 11, he goes, um, he says he goes, went out to see his people, the Hebrews. So somehow he knew that he belonged somewhere else. He didn't look like them, he didn't smell like them, didn't talk like them. And as he's there and he sees what's going on, he rises up in a, a passion for justice. And he kills a man. And he hopes no one sees it and he runs back to the palace. See, I think Moses recognized his destiny. In that moment, that thing that was stirring was his destiny, his calling, but he took hold of it on his own strength in the wrong season. So it wasn't cool. It didn't do what that call was designed to do. Have you ever stepped out in your own strength, your own flesh? I have. I totally have. And then didn't go so well, and I felt embarrassed and ashamed and uh, stupid. And embarrassed and ashamed and stupid. Do any of those things come to rest on your souls ever? And I thought I messed it all up. And I can only imagine what was going on in Moses. The next day, Pharaoh, the only father he has, is going to try to kill him. And so he has to flee. He has to run for his life. 
And it takes three days to walk from where he was in Egypt to in Midian. Can you imagine? What kind of thoughts would be going on in your head? Can I say those words? <laughs> Stupid. How could you? What were you thinking? Everything's not fair. It's wrong. Lots of churning. Lots and lots of churning. What was the enemy bringing to him then? Other people recognized his destiny. In verse 14, when the Egyptians see him coming back out, they say, who appointed you to be our judge and our leader? And they said it in a mocking tone. Has anyone ever called out your destiny in a mocking tone? Who do you think you are? Oh, it's a voice that shows up in my head. And I'm like, they're on to something. I am somebody. Yeah, I am. Called, appointed, chosen, anointed. You need to talk to yourself that way a lot because there's a lot of other voices. Just go ahead and say it. Chosen, called, anointed, appointed. Who do you think you are? You need to know. Who do you think you are? So he's on his way to Midian, and he's a hot mess. Afraid, a failure, confusion, and so alone. We know by now he's about 40 years old. There's no mention of a wife. Who would want to marry this guy who's not Hebrew and not even Egyptian? He doesn't fit anywhere. So much loneliness compounded. These strategies of the enemy come into our lives too. And that's what the enemy is trying to do. But what is God doing? God wasn't mad at Moses, but God had his attention. And so he wanders to Midian, three days of walking. I don't know what all's going on. I just have a really good imagination. When he gets in Midian, I think this is fun. This is just significant to me. In verse 17, he describes, he comes up to a well. Do you guys know this story? And there's some shepherd girls there, and it's their job to feed their sheep, to water their sheep. And there's some bullies there. There's some guys there who will not give them access to the well. And what does Moses do? What Moses is called, chosen, and appointed to do. What shows up wherever you go, in small ways and in big ways. So Moses chases off the bullies and helps the girls get water for their sheep. And they say, come on home and meet our dad. And what happens? He gets a wife out of this deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a good story. He was not abandoned. But he's called out into the wilderness it's really, really important that we understand that the wilderness is not a place of being abandoned. It's actually a place of growing in our identity of knowing who we are and who God is. In this whole process, Moses was growing an understanding of his identity. He started out a Hebrew, became an Egyptian, and then he became a Midianite. By the time he comes out of this wilderness season, he knows who he actually really is. Son of God. Chosen, called, appointed, anointed. That is the one true identity. He couldn't do what he was created to do in all its strength and glory until he knew that. And we know he knew that because he responded to this burning bush with awe and wonder, knowing it was God. Interesting to me what all happened in those long, lonely days of tending sheep. I don't think it was a real cool occupation for him. He'd been raised in a palace. The Egyptians were super advanced. They had flush toilets, you guys. That's my kind of culture. 
And now he's out in the lonely wilderness with nothing but a bunch of dumb sheep. Did he screw up too badly? Did he wreck it all? Was he cast aside? One of my favorite verses is Psalm 105. Verse 19, and it says, Between the time that God gave Joseph his dream, different story, I know, between the time he gave Joseph the dream and between the time it was fulfilled, God tested his character. If you knew what was going on today is just a test of your character, can you do that? I can, actually. I totally can. If I'm abandoned, rejected, messed up, and cast aside, that sucks. That's a hopeless, gross, dead place. But if what's happening here is you are testing my character, I can do that. I can do that. Holy Spirit, come. Renew, refine, restore. And you know that's not a job that's ever fully done until we see him face to face. So know on those in-between days when it doesn't look like the destiny realized that you are not abandoned, but something glorious is being formed in you. Yield to it. Don't fight the season. Don't wallow in it. Don't fight it. Give God your yes. Come, do what you want to do in this season, God. Maybe we can speed it up a little. I know we can drag it out by fighting it, so it can't hurt. <laughs> so, indeed, was Moses set aside or set apart? Are you set aside or set apart? Do you ever feel like a misfit that doesn't quite fit in? Lonely? Are you set aside or are you set apart? Because the story's not over yet. As God comes to Moses in the burning bush and lays out the challenge, here's what I'm calling you to. There is a completely 180 degree difference in his response than there was as that young man that was going to take it by the horns and do it. He's going to live out his calling. He's going to destroy these Egyptians. He's going to set his people free. Now he is a little older and a little wiser after his wilderness season. And God says, would you come and lead my people into freedom? And he says, God, I got nothing. That's a good day. It's a really good day. It's not a comfortable day. But it's a good day. Would you? Would you? Whatever he's calling you to today, and he's whispering it to you all the time. And those little voices are, I can't. Uh, God, have you noticed I can't talk in front of people? <laughs> He's noticed. But he says, if you give me your yes, I will pour out my spirit on you and you will do things that you could never do in a million years. This is our God. This is our God. And he says, yes, I will. I will pour out my spirit on your yes. I will blow your mind. Your biggest dreams are small compared to what I want to do in partnership with you. And that's a good word, because I have big dreams now. You get unleashed and you start dreaming big, and God says, I've got even more than that. Let me blow your mind. Give me your yes. And so God promises this, but Moses actually has to accept it. This question is as old as Adam and Eve, because when the enemy came to Adam and Eve, he said, hath God said, is he really as good as he says he is? Are you sure he's not holding out on you? Can you trust him? And that's what Moses was doing. God, are you sure? Are you sure? 
And the enemy's going, are you sure? This is what happens to me. I can imagine what God could do. And then I can imagine a million scenarios that haven't worked out that way. And if I feed off of this, because it's true, we've all seen the stuff. We know stories that didn't turn out so great. I am weak, powerless, not super effective at all. One of my favorite prayers in the Bible is the blind man who says to Jesus, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Here I am, God. And that was enough for his eyes to be opened. So look at Jesus. Can you see the peripheral stuff that would argue with that? Oh, yeah. Keep your eyes focused. Hath God said that I will anoint you for what I've called you to? Has he said it? Is he that good? Is he going to call you somewhere and leave you hanging? You guys are all called every single day of the week. There is a place for your destiny to be made manifest. Are you an electrician? Are you a coffee maker? Are you an Olympic diaper changer? All of those things, none of them are insignificant. Hath God said, I would like to partner with you in what you're doing? Yes. You guys have kingdom dreams. This is where the kingdom shows up. Don't be confused by thinking it has to be something big and glamorous in the spotlights. God has not called us to co-star with him. He's called us to co-labor with him. And that is actually a joyful, exciting place. Just don't confuse it with glamour. Excitement and adventure, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So Moses wanders back now to Egypt. It's a bit of a long story in there. And there's some funny little verses where he has another encounter with God that he thinks is going to destroy him. I've had those moments. God, if I give you my yes to this, what if it destroys my family? Do you know about pastor's kids? Hath God said, what has he called you to? Are you afraid it will destroy you? It'll take you to the cross. Don't mistake it. There's some stuff that's got to die, but there is a resurrection. There is a resurrection that's full of power. This wilderness season is super disorienting and confusing, but everybody has one. Joseph, David, Jesus. We don't see him from 12 to 30. What on earth was he doing? Growing. And he, even then, when he comes out of that season, he goes into the wilderness and he's tested again. Tested again. Do you want the deeper life? See, none of us have reached the limit of God's goodness, have reached the limit of what he's called us to. There's another yes for you. Wherever you are in your story, there's another yes for you. There's more. We have found in Beaver Lodges we're riding the wave of God's goodness in this renewal that there are places there when we can come to settle in and go, this is good. And there's a deeper yes for us. We can become apathetic at the level of glory that he's brought us to. But until the whole world is healed and restored and delivered, our assignment isn't up. There's a deeper yes. There's a stronger yes. Would you give him your yes? Because he's faithful. He will do what he said he will do. In a room this size, I know there are people who gave God their yes 
once upon a time. And it didn't turn out the way you thought he said it would. Those are tough places we risk. And what if? And it didn't. And it doesn't look like I wanted it to. And so we've backed up into a safe place of self-protection. I'm not going to risk that disappointment again. The safe way to live is with no expectation. So we can do the happy Christian things on the outside and actually not be living with a great deal of expectation and excitement because we don't want to risk what felt disappointing or even kind of messy. Moses could have done that. He could have given God his no right there. He could have. And God would have raised up another. And Moses would have missed out on the adventure. It's never too late, you guys. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, it's not too late. God's gifts and calling can never be withdrawn. The words he has spoken over your life are as true today, no matter what you've done in the last few years, as they were when God dreamed you up and gave you a calling and a destiny before you were ever in your mother's womb. Today is the day when you say yes, Jesus says, awesome, let's take it from here. So if you are locked down in disappointment, would you dare to give God your yes again today? He will not abandon you. Come freely without agenda, but come with expectation. It's my agenda that gets me hung up. This is what it's got to look like. So in closing, in Exodus 4, verse 2, God asked Moses a question. And God's really funny when he asks questions. Like, he knows the answer already. So there's something he wants us to know. Moses is there in his crisis of, I can't and I don't know. And God says, what's in your hand, Moses? What have you got there in your hand? <laughs> like he didn't know. What have you got in your hand? What is it you do all day, every day? What do you have skill in? What do you get at? What do you love to do? What have you got in your hand? Years before I would ever dare stand up, I still loved words. I wrote a lot. I didn't know that's what I had in my hands. He's training me to use it. Subversive, hey? Enemy didn't catch on. How much can it hurt for her to write in secret and silence where no one will see it? How much can it hurt? Come on, bring it on. Yes, what do you have in your hand? So Moses has a stick. Wow, a stick. He's been nothing but a scraggly, flea-bitten shepherd now for 40 years. He's that stick to poke and prod the sheep and move things around and probably tap his kids a time or two. Maybe, probably, yes. It's a stick, God. It's a stick. Duh. And God gives him an instruction what to do with that stick. And it changes everything. All the signs that happened to fit with Pharaoh, God anointed the stick. This is my favorite part, so I have to, I have to do this part. Moses gets caught. Pharaoh says, okay, fine, I give up. Go, you and your crazy stick and all your flea-bitten people. Just get out of here. And Moses ends up with the Red Sea here and Pharaoh's army here. Oh, no, what is he going to do? God, hath God said? Here I am between the devil and the deep blue sea. Have you been there? I have been there. What am I going to do? Do you ever panic with Jesus? <laughs> like, hello, time's running out. 
What's Moses going to do? Get all the architects together to build a bazooka to annihilate this army in a few hours? Or uh, how about a boat that can carry a million? There are no good answers, you guys. You have those days in your life. I know you do because I have them. What, God, are you going to do now? And God says, what have you got in your hand? And he gives him one simple instruction. Small. Raise it up. You see, your very small, seemingly insignificant day-to-day actions, anointed by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, will set a multitude free. Yeah. So what have you got in your hand? And would you give him your yes? It's that simple. Small things done under the authority and power of the Holy Spirit unleash the kingdom of God here on earth. Holy Spirit, come and anoint us. Whenever you give your God your yes, he will release his unique, one-of-a-kind expression through you that the whole world needs. Would you give him your yes? Can I ask you guys to stand with me now? Do you believe he's called you with a destiny and a purpose? That he made no mistakes about the timing of your birth or that of your children? Has he highlighted to you this morning some of the things the enemy has been trying to do that would distract and discourage, that would render you weak, helpless, and confused? Would you surrender those things to Jesus now? The lie that I'm insignificant, abandoned, unwanted, rejected, not as good as, not as qualified as. Would you release the lie that it's too late? Because that's a lie. It's not too late. Would you dare to take down the protective walls the shield of disappointment. Would you let him take that wall down this morning? He is good. He is gentle. He is kind. He's not going to leave you hanging out in the cold. He has an invitation for you. Would you come to me and give me your yes again? So pray with me, if you would. Holy Spirit, come. Highlight the sneaky ways the enemy has tried to lie and right now in the name of Jesus and by the power of the cross I break every agreement that I have made with rejection and hopelessness and disappointment Jesus take these things far away from us the lie that we're not significant take it away Jesus take it far away from us now and father would you renew the call Would you bring us a fresh vision of what you're doing? We want to focus on you. We want to focus on the absolute truth of who you are and how you've promised to provide. God, we don't want to live dull and boring and safe. We want to be dangerous. We want to see the captives set free, the sick healed, the lame dancing, 
God, this is our longing for our families and for the world around us. Spirit, come. Come. Revive and renew and restore. Take us deeper, God. Take us deeper. We want to go. Jesus, we love you. I pray a fresh outpouring on this beautiful house, God. Thank you for this deep, deep well. Thank you, God, that you're the one who supplies. And God, would you just use Airdrie Alliance Church to wreak havoc on the enemy. Turn this city on its, just turn it over. Turn it over. May your kingdom come, oh God, may your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.